Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my guest, Esther Park Chun. Hey Esther, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much. So much for having me here today. No, the pleasure and honor is mine. Um, I know you're a busy person, like you. <laughs> so I really appreciate your time tonight with me. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it's. Can I share like real quick, just on a personal level? Um, it's funny because how I met Esther is I visited LA recently and um, I visited her church, your church, and uh, we have a mutual friend. But the crazier thing for me is that uh, there's a more personal connection is my husband knows your husband from just growing up together in Brazil. Yeah. So a super small world. And then a good friend of ours. Now you guys all attend church together. Oh, mm-hmm. Kevin Chung. He's been on the podcast too. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, and then I, um, most of you probably recognize Esther. If you don't, like you should, but she is an influencer um, and a really um, motivational and encouraging one at that. Um, I personally follow her and she, um, I just want to thank you. You know, I feel like your reels and what you, the content you post is extremely encouraging, uplifting, um, hilarious. And mm-hmm. um, especially for us moms, you know, I know that you're a new mom. How old is Shiloh now? She's nine months. Oh my gosh. Do you feel like it's going fast or no? Fast. It makes me so sad. Oh no. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so she posts a bunch of stuff about moms and encouraging moms and reminding us, just like you said, of like cherishing these moments with our babies. So thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank yeah. you for watching and journey- journeying alongside us. Of course. Okay, well, she's here today to talk about her journey a little bit. So Esther, what is it that you consider yourself to like do on a daily basis, like your job? Um, kind of the how you're, yeah, like a day in the life of Esther Chun. Yeah. So I actually want to quickly start off by sharing that I actually quit my full-time job on August 1st. So it's been almost exactly a month. Um, I was working at a uh, nonprofit called Liberty in North Korea. Uh, we are a nonprofit organization where we rescue North Korean refugees that are hiding in China. And uh, we really focus on um, after rescuing them, helping them in the resettlement process, um, and also just spreading awareness so mm. that other people are able to learn more about what's going on in North Korea. And also uh, one of our programs that we call Changing the Narrative, um, basically allowing people to not just focus on what you see on the news, which is, you know, Kim Jong-un, nuclear weapons, the Kim regime, but really focusing on the 25 million innocent people, real lives, mm. um, people that are living in North Korea. So that is a nonprofit that I've been involved with since like 2010 or something oh, like wow. that. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've worked there, but even when I wasn't working there, always like a fundraiser, um, I'm still on their gala committee now. And so I did want to talk about Link because it's such a big part of my life. Um, not because I'm Korean, like, I think it's not a Korean issue. It's a human issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those that don't know, um, you know, there are refugees who have, or there are North Koreans in North Korea that have zero basic freedoms. Um, Like they can be sent to a political prison camp for wearing skinny jeans, for watching a Korean drama, um, for, I mean, if they ever talk bad about their leader, they 
most likely would be executed. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to shed light on that because that's such a big part of my life. And it feels like weird coming on this after I just quit that job because that was such, you know, a big part of um, so much of my 20s. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Um, but in terms of, I guess, now my day, I actually would probably actually consider myself a full-time stay-at-home mom. Um, and that's the main reason why I quit my job. I wanted to be present for Shiloh. And I just feel like these uh, early years are so formative. And I also know that it's um, not everyone has a choice or privilege to be able to choose to stay at home. Mm -hmm. And I feel very grateful that I can. Um, I say full-time stay-at-home mom, but probably people will say that's incorrect because uh, I also work part-time at my church, uh, Citizens Church LA. Um, I think, has Jason been on the podcast? He has, yes. Yeah, so Jason you guys have heard from Jason. Jason. Yes. Um, or, you know, he, he was on Beef, so if you guys want to yes. watch him on <laughs> Um But yeah, so I work on staff at Citizens Church LA. I, am, uh, I oversee our city partnership ministry. Basically, I lead our local outreach ministry, and so we partner with different nonprofits, uh, giving our congregation the opportunity to serve the city of LA. Mm -hmm. uh, really, we just believe in um, working alongside and uh, those that are already doing the work, have been doing the work for decades, and allowing our members to be able to serve alongside them. And really just being the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, LA is a beautiful city, but it's also a very dark and broken city with a ton of homelessness, uh, people living under the poverty line. And so, yeah, being able to serve and use our resources um, to serve people. So I do that. And then also, um, I'm, I guess, quote unquote, an influencer. You are. You are an influencer, creator. dear. Yeah, influencer, <laughs> content creator, whatever you want to call it. That actually, that was like what allowed me to quit my job is because yeah. once um, I started growing my following and my engagement started, you know, boosting up, I was able to make money out of doing brand deals and partnerships with different um, companies and brands. And so that was really, really amazing. Um, it has allowed me to work very, very part-time, but have way like a full salary so that I can stay at home with Shiloh and have a flexible schedule. So I'll be honest, in terms of like being an influencer content creator, it's not something I ever thought I would do or something I was like ever really excited about. It kind of just came as a necessity. Um, like in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is like a good side hustle. But then mm. once that salary was becoming higher than what I was making my full-time job I was like oh I really had to think about man like you know I've dreamed and prayed about being a stay-at-home mom for so long mm -hmm. oh and you know up until you know I quit my job on August 1st I was fully working at home with mm -hmm. Shiloh at you know Shiloh at home with me so I was working full-time at Link working part-time at church and then you know all of a sudden doing this content creation stuff while having her at home with me moms will know that you know in the beginning it's so I don't want to say easy, but it's a little bit doable to work with like an infant. But once she started hitting four or five months, man, it was a lot harder. She definitely needs, you know, my attention. And so mm -hmm. I I mean, I felt like I was doing a horrible job um, in my full time job. I was like working really weird hours, working late at night. So it wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really grateful to God give to give like giving me this opportunity because, you know, and living in L.A., it's. Unless, you know, my husband was making 
so much money like it's impossible to live on one salary right right and so yeah I feel really really grateful so yeah my day-to-day looks pretty crazy it's all over the place but um for the most part when she's awake I just fully try to spend time with her um when she does a little bit of independent playing I try to just like cook or do dishes and stuff because I don't want her to see me on my screen all the time like that's what she saw for the last you know eight months just me working on my screen and so when she's awake I try to not be on my screen and then when she's asleep when she takes her naps that's when I do whether it's content creation work or like my church ministry work and then usually at night like after dinner um, I will work another hour to three hours um, depending on the workload but I also you know want to you know make space to spend time with Paulo my husband and so yeah um that's kind of what my day looks like. Yeah, no, um, I sh- I'm sorry. I'm like, I have so many things to ask you because, well, first of all, um, congratulations on making the step towards, you know, being a stay-at-home mom, like, full-time. Um, it is not easy. Um, take it from somebody that is still doing that and also works part-time and also, you know, in the earlier years, really just, um, I like, so my kid, my daughter, my four-year-old, her second year of life was during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, I mean, it was a a whole nother time, but even just everything you're saying, the intentionality behind being a stay-at-home mom um, is so uh, appreciated on my, my end. And I just like, I'm like, wow, you're amazing. That's amazing. So truly Mm -hmm. congratulations, Esther. It's really great. Um, I initially intended thinking, okay, like, Esther works for Link. She works for a nonprofit. I'm going to talk to her about that. And I'm sure you have so much to say. But with Link and even combination with you working part-time with church and then uh, your role there. So what I'm hearing is like you just have a really big heart for people. Is that wrong or right? Or- no, that, that that is right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, even when I was in college, I like that was my intention to like mm. work with people I just didn't know exactly at what capacity but yes okay so like how did you um what did you where did you go to college I went to UCLA okay and then did did you study something specific towards people or yeah I guess um well I studied international development studies and UCLA is amazing for that because it's one of the few schools um, that has this major. Um, so, you know, most schools have like international studies or international relations, but this is very specific because it's international development studies, meaning they focus on countries in the world that are underdeveloped. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, I've always had the intention of either doing ministry, like going on missions. That was like a really big on my heart. I've been to like 15 different countries on mission trips. So it was either going on missions or like working for the UN or working for Liberty in North Korea. I think I those see. are like my three hearts. And yeah, a lot of people that do uh, this major do end up working like at different nonprofits or I think some have gone to the UN. Um, so yeah, and then I minored in Asian American studies. I think I just was fascinated as I learned more about just like me, like who I am as a Korean American and how like my identity um, as a Korean American is like something I kind of tried to erase or like not really think about, uh, but like was able to learn more about um, in college. Uh-huh. Um, and then I almost double minored in education, but then I ended up dropping it because I was like, I can't, 
I can't do yeah, both. Yeah, it seems like a lot. But um, yeah, that's so exactly. A, that's like, really, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do exactly. Yeah, but that's really amazing and super fascinating. The inter- international development studies. What kind of like, wait, say I decided to do that. Like, what kind of equipping and tools do they give you in order for you to, um, like, work for the UN one day? Okay, well, to be honest, I don't remember a ton. Yeah, it's probably been a minute. I'm sure. Sorry. Feels like <laughs> so far um, I wouldn't say it's like very specific like that. Okay. Um, like you know, like when it comes to like international like relations and studies, like you know, there's a lot of like even like statistics involved, business involved, e- mm. econ. Like, so there were a lot of those classes which actually I didn't like. Like stats and econ were probably a few like some of my least favorite classes but then they did a lot of courses like where they focused on specific countries Mm. um like where how they got to where they are or like where certain countries that are booming how those countries got to where they are and like why certain countries are lacking and like what um resources they may need or uh what type of development they may need and so um those kinds of things and then um uh, you would be able to like fo- like do a focus on a specific country and like you know like do research and stuff like okay. on that. But in terms of like specifically UN, there was never like someone that came and just shared like this is how you can work for the UN. Okay, <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, I would say it was more general. I see, I see. Okay, um, so after college, um, did you start working for Link immediately, or what was that yeah. process like for you? Yeah, so Link was my first job out of college. I was, uh, I didn't, like, I never had that period, you know, where you graduate from college and you have to think about what you want to do. When I was a senior, I applied for an internship with Link. For three months, I traveled, uh, we drove from LA to New York. And for three months, we lived out of our van and we just did um, presentations to spread awareness at like colleges, corporations, um, like churches, high schools. So we did that for three months. Every day we had like multiple presentations uh, where we would just go speak. And then while I was on the road, uh, we, we, that internship, like we're called Nomad. So while I was a nomad, um, my, uh, like supervisor called me or forget HR manager called and asked me if I was interested in applying for this full-time position. The position was actually overseeing this like nomad thing. So I I applied while I was on the road. And then I remember it was in Buffalo, New York. It was snowing. They FaceTimed me. And like, that's when I got the job and I was so happy. Like it was like my dream to work at link. And so, yeah, that was my first job out of college at link, um, 2014, um yeah um and then did you continue to be in charge of the nomad Mm -hmm. part okay yeah so I was there for a little over a year um overseeing nomads and uh and then I I think during that time I was really I think God was just stirring in my heart like and to like basically um saying hey why don't you think about doing ministry and like pray about it and see what that looks like for you. And so um, that's when I um, started, like I was doing like wedding planning and like doing flowers for weddings for like, you know, to make money. Mm -hmm. But like, I was just kind of like thinking about what ministry would look like. And so I was like serving, uh, like volunteering at like college campus ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, doing the weddings on the side. And then I was also like doing research and praying about like going to seminary. And so then that's kind of where, uh, the next few years was just like me volunteering, 
seeing if like that's you know what you know the road that God wanted me to take and then um after that I uh, decided to go uh to seminary uh-huh um so actually in 2016 it's like a really big part of my life but I got really really sick I've I've had some health issues you know all throughout my life but I've always had pretty like weak immune system and then mm-hmm. in 2016 I was hospitalized with like a very unknown disease what? um I was in the ICU UCLA Ronald Reagan ICU for 10 days oh my and goodness. they thought that I was gonna die and then when I was there that's when I just oh man like I mean you may have heard of like people talking on their like what is that called? Bed? Deathbed. Deathbed. Yeah. But I think I, it, you just see so clearly when you are unsure of like how long you have um, on earth. And so that's when I remember I just prayed uh, saying, God, if you even give me like six more months, like I will like just dedicate my life to you and like serve you and like share your gospel to the ends of the earth, whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. And so, yeah, like that was when, um, I decided to, uh, join this campus ministry. And then I was also doing a uh, seminary part-time. Yeah. That is wild. Oh my goodness, oh. Esther. I'm so thankful you're alive. No, me too. It's, I, when I think back at that, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Can I ask, like, so what put you in the hospital in the first place? Like, were you just yeah. ill? Yeah. So first it started with, like, headaches and fevers. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was, like, throwing up a ton. But, like, it was, like, this migraine that was, like, like so pain, like so painful. Like, I couldn't do anything. I was just, like, crying every oh day. Goodness. And then every time I would take medication, like, I would just throw it up. And then my, like, I started getting rashes all over my body. And like my calves, it was so swollen from the rashes. My calves were as big as my thighs. And like the rashes was from head to toe, I mean, head to my face, like all. Oh my goodness. And so, yeah, they couldn't figure out what it was. And so that's why they hospitalized me. They did all of these tests and nothing was coming out. And they they said what they could think of. Well, I have something called um, uh, FUO, which is fever of unknown origin. Honestly, it's like what doctors say if you have a fever for over three weeks. It's like you have a fever of unknown origin if they can't figure out what it's from. Uh, So I have that. And like it came again actually when I was pregnant. So I'm like very prone to fevers. And then um, they said they thought it's like probably something from a different country. Like someone gave it to me. That's what they – like because they couldn't figure it out. Okay. So like what? They put you on antibiotics and steroids and then you just like waited it out? Well, so yeah, eventually after, yeah, like eight days, like slowly my fever started going oh, down. Oh my gosh. Like the puffiness and the rashes started going down. And then that's when they were like, wow. Because up until then, it was just like getting worse and worse and worse. That is wild. So oh yeah, goodness. that's when, um, yeah, it started getting better. And then it just disappeared. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, maybe it's TMI, but like my skin, you know, how I had the rashes. It like literally my whole skin, like it all peeled off. Like one layer of my skin just peeled off. That is insane. I, I mean, just I'm just like trying to put myself in your shoes and I cannot even imagine the thoughts that would be running through my head at that point. But yeah, I mean, I would imagine that feeling like life is just so fleeting. Mm-hmm. What if I am alive, am I going to do? So for you, yeah. it was committing to... um 
ministry and seminary um, for the next, did you, so you finished your seminary degree? I didn't. So uh, that went into COVID. Okay. And at that point I was working at a church, a uh-huh. full-time church in Santa Monica. And then, you know, when we, when COVID hit, I was doing work all through Zoom and I was doing seminary all through Zoom and it was just too much screens yeah, for me. Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break. So I, I took a break uh, from school and I only need like three or four classes left to graduate. But then, you know, I got married and then I got pregnant and then like. And then life happened. Yeah. I probably won't go like finish until like kids are old, you know, older. Yeah, I do yeah, want to yeah. finish. I do want to. It's like so, you know, like waste, like it's such a waste because I'm almost done. But. um. So can I ask you, Um, sorry, my screen froze. Can you see me okay? Yeah, it's okay. freezing and then unfreezing. Hello? Okay, now it's back. Okay. Um, so can I ask you then, like, is there anything specific that from your experience, your life and death experience, with it, which I can't get over right now, um, like, like even decisions that you make daily or just like, you know, the way you think about life day to day, has it changed since then? Oh, absolutely. Man, man, like... I think about that, like that time in 2016, actually, like pretty often. Mm. I was going through a really difficult time in my life. And I just feel like God was very purposeful. Mm. Not that God needs to like make you sick or like make you almost die to teach you something. But I do feel like, you know, God does orchestrate everything. And I do, you know, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Like, I don't believe in coincidences, but it was like that season of my life, like I you know, I got out of a really bad relationship. And then my, um, my stepsister's best friend had passed away. She had did not, and then she denounced her faith. And then my grandma was diagnosed with a muscle disease. Oh and I think, you know, I, I really believe that like health is really correlated to like your mental health and like mm-hmm. stress and all that stuff. But, um, I was just like going through just the lowest of lows. And when I was, um, hospitalized I couldn't even go to the bathroom by myself you know my mom flew in to help me and I just remember thinking like one man like I'm an Enneagram too I have a really hard time asking for help and I remember just thinking like God was just showing me like hey you know like you like feel this need to like serve and please people but at the end of the day, like you're just my child. Mm. And there are times when, you know, like you need to show yourself grace and you can rest. And also another thing that he really taught me was just like how much he like is relentlessly like pursuing me and like how much he loves me. Cause like during that time when I was in the hospital, like, you know, people were like sending things like gifts and sending prayers and cards and, visiting the hospital and I just remember feeling like this overwhelming like sense of love and mm. peace and um just like nothing could worry me and so like to go back to your question I think like now of course it's not like every day this is like what I think about and I'm always like on right, top of right. it and having the right mindset but I think one like that experience has like taught me to rest a little bit more honestly I still have a hard time with that my husband always like yells at me for that but yeah like reminding myself that like I don't need to do everything I don't need to carry everything on my shoulders like mm-hmm. it is okay to ask for help 
it's okay to remember that like now, you know, now it's like worse because I'm a mom, but like, I'm always going to be God's child. Yes. And so just like being okay if I make mistakes and like breathing and like, uh, yeah. And then I think also just like having confidence that like God loves me. And like, even if my performance isn't great. And like, I remember recently I was driving and I was listening to, I can't forget. It was, it was a worship song. And I just, um, I just started bawling in the car. And I think I was, this was maybe when Shiloh was five or six months. I think I just felt very like, oh, like my life is so different now. Like the way I do ministry is so different. I feel like God is disappointed in me because I used to like, you know, be on campus, like sharing the gospel for three hours, going up to random people, evangelizing. And then now I'm just like in my house, Mm. wiping her butt, like feeding Mm. her and cooking and cleaning. And my life felt less purposeful, you know? Mm. But then I remember God just like softly like speaking over me and saying like you are exactly where you need to be yeah and like right now like this is your ministry like even if like Shiloh she's the one person that like experiences my love through you like that's enough and Mm -hmm. I just felt like him God saying like that's enough like it's it's enough and I think that really like was like another reminder and like such a like a shift for me Mm. because I think that's what God had was trying to speak to me in 2016 too when I was sick was just you're enough like Mm. it's okay to rest it's okay to be my child you don't need to like do all of these things to be loved by me and like again I think he was reminding me and so I think now too like in the day-to-day like so much of my time is just washing dishes cooking cleaning taking care of her um yeah, my like the ministry of like my life of ministry back then, you know, I used to go on missions every summer and like my life was so different. But now it's like, you know, like my ministry looks different now. And he's reminding me like you've asked to be a mom for so long. And like right now your ministry is to her and mm. like that's enough. And so that like has been a big game changer for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing like with such transparency yesterday. I really appreciate your honesty because for me, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it, but um, I relate to you a lot. And that's for another time when we can share (laughs) life more together. But um, yes, you, you are enough. We are enough. And there was a moment, um, I, I actually went through a lot of postpartum more than blues less than depression but for six years um and I think this year is the first year where um I feel like myself again um but just to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying there was um I there was a great shift in my life um in January of this year when I finally accepted my identity as a daughter of Christ and I was ashamed because I'm like I've been a Christian for a long time, you know, and uh, I, I too, I work in ministry. I say the same thing to my things to my students that they are they are made in the image of God, and that they their identity should be only in Jesus. But like, there was um, I heard this sermon, and it was basically it was about when Jesus is baptized and God 
it says through the Holy Spirit, like, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, right? And the pastor said, did you know God doesn't just love you, but he likes you? And I was like, what? Like, I think everything you just said, right, about being a parent, being a mom, being enough, like, I kept thinking, well, yeah, I know God loves me, but he doesn't like me right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, I'm ashamed of my the way I'm performing as a mom, as a pastor, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend. I just fall short every time. And it's like, it's fine. God loves me. It's fine. That's enough. But then when this pastor, it just cut me like it was like no but he doesn't just love you he likes you mm-hmm. and what you just said like you are enough so I mean like it's um so much of this podcast you know I do it for you know for people to be motivated and encouraged right and to expose like the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. um but I've never addressed until this moment like what you were just sharing like but really <laughs> It's not about what we do, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the heart behind it. And if we know our identity, we can do just about anything, really. Mm -hmm. And so um, thanks, Esther, for reminding me, too, that I am enough. Yes. (laughs) Yes, so good, so good. Um, I was going to ask you, the ministry part, you know, that you said you were working in Santa Monica. um, I know that you're working in a specific capacity right now, but... Did you have some sort of like track? Like, were you in the Santa Monica position? Was it the sim? Was it a similar position as you are now? Or well, I was um doing like community life, community groups. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So it's always kind of been around like people oriented things. That's amazing. <laughs> like, well, I think it's amazing because I don't know if it's is it your self awareness of like what you like, or did people say encourage you like Esther, you should do this, or I think both. Okay. Um, I mean, ever since I was little, I've always wanted to help people, serve people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it was a lot of like encouragement from from people, especially like ministry. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went to like the church that I grew up is called LA Open Door Church, or the EM is called Open Door Community Church. That's the church that I think like you know my my pastor there. He's like my spiritual father, and he mm-hmm. kind of really encouraged me, and I learned so much from him. But uh, him and just the people there and the leadership there really believed in me. And, you know, it's like a Korean church and there's no positions unless you're a pastor. And they like created a position for me. So that was my first paid like ministry role. And um, I oversaw a lot of different ministries there. And I I like learned a lot. But yeah, received so much like validation of just like that. This was my calling Mm. and like really couldn't imagine doing anything else. So, yeah, I think it was a mixture of both. Do you feel like it's important to like when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, like to have people around you to kind of speak into maybe your giftings? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think like life is not meant to be done alone. I mean, in scripture, Mm -hmm. like there's so many passages about, you know, doing life together in community. Um, I think one, because like we're sinful human beings, like we have blind spots, we need accountability. Um, So yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to, uh, you know, have people speak into your life. But yeah. I think the key is making sure it's people that like know you and love you mm. and, you know, are, you know, have the same vision and, you know, you know, Christ minded um, 
individuals that are like you or else, you know, they're going to lead you astray. And so I think that's definitely really important. Um, and like, yeah, like, cause people that may not be like-minded, like you may say some things that you may not agree with, or that may not be helpful. And so, um, I think it's, yeah, I would say it's very important. Yeah. Um, the outreach portion that you're talking about, uh, with citizens and how you connect, uh, your church people with different outreaches, uh, like what is the best way for you to go about doing that? Like, you know, someone like someone in your position, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you had connections with Link too, but do you just like go out and you're like, hey, who wants to partner with us or what do you do? Yeah. So our like first priority, we have like three different like levels of how we serve, but mm-hmm. our first priority is like our regular partners. And like for one, like we do our services at Royal High School. Mm-hmm. So we believe that they are like one of our like, you know, first priorities like our regular partners uh, because we are doing worship in their space and like we want to serve them Um, so whenever there's a need like we want them to come to us and so like for example when their teachers went on strike a lot of their teachers are paid like uh, they they're living uh, by paycheck paycheck Mm. to paycheck and so when they're on strike they don't get paid and so we like came together and we made like grocery bags for them um when one of their students uh was in an accident um they like the first people that came to was us to pray for them and we also helped with their gofundme uh for the funeral for their family and stuff Mm. like that um and then another like regular partner we have is our church used to be in lincoln heights and so there's a nonprofit after school program called lincoln heights tutorial program and so they're one of our regular partners and so we uh you know we prioritize these like partners that we have like long-lasting relationships with and Mm -hmm. also like they are doing work and serving people that are in the spaces that we do worship in and then after that second we uh like to open it up to our congregation so you know certain people in our church may already have a heart for something maybe they are on a board for a nonprofit, or they've served with a nonprofit, and so then we allow uh, you know our church members to you know let us know about those nonprofits so that we can serve if there's an event and then lastly uh, our ministry t- team I have a team of about 12 people um then we'll just you know if there's like a month where we weren't able to you know uh have a service opportunity then we'll just kind of research or if there's like an organization we've been wanting to reach out to um yeah um well I want to shift over to your other hat that you wear but before I do um, do you have any advice for somebody that maybe wants to go into ministry and maybe is is thinking oh maybe this is something okay I'm going to be honest in the Atlanta context this kind of role is non-existent mm-hmm. like I don't think culturally the Korean immigrant church or I know that yours is mostly Asian American um, just it's non-existent Uh, but but i'm like it's not as necessary i feel right to have a point person in your specific role um i think that's why i'm like frustrated in my own personal life because i'm like oh like how do we do this you know how do we make things like that happen um it's not a priority and i think it's because there are so many other things that um even just my husband and i we juggle right in ministry um but anyways, how yeah, first do you have an advice for somebody that um 
is thinking about going into ministry and not necessarily like a pastoral role, right? But like this type of important connection between congregation and, you know, living in the world. So, um, yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, if you're in an area where there's no way to do that in your church, mm. look for nonprofits where you can volunteer and like be that person that does then connect that nonprofit to your church. Um, whether it's, you know, talking to your pastor or talking to your community group director, um, saying, Hey, like, what if our community groups once every quarter, we partner with this nonprofit and we serve, or what if instead of doing, um, I don't know, I don't know what kind of fellowships churches do, but what if instead of doing, you know, like just a meal every time, like, what if we just go serve at this, you know, Mm. kitchen, you know, and like, or like, I don't know if like if youth groups go like broomballing or something instead of broomballing that one time, like, what if we go to children's hunger fund together and meals together or something. And so I think if you have a heart and you don't see it, I think that's why God gave you that heart um, to be active that's and good, to yeah. go for it. And if you're going to a church, a Bible preaching, Jesus loving church, they can't reject your advice. Yes. You know, they, they will gladly. And I think a lot of times it's because they just don't have the manpower. Mm-hmm. And so God places, you know, specific interests and desires and visions in our hearts to allow us to like, partner with our church and that's why like we need the whole body yeah um because the head the pastor doesn't have the uh, capacity to do all to do vision setting and preaching and taking care of its flock um and you know so it's important that the members that have a heart they're like you know bringing these opportunities and so i would encourage you to learn about nonprofits or issues that you care about and then bring it to your church bring it to the table and just say, hey, let's talk about this and how can we get our church involved? I love that. Thank you for giving even just permission to do that, Esther. I really appreciate it. Um, okay, so I, I am curious about like the the job that kind of fell in your lap. <laughs> um, you know, you you touched on like, you know, how you partners partnered with different brands and then you started making an income from that. I literally have no clue how that works. Like yeah. how what does that look like? And then for me, it's such a foreign concept that I'm like, where do you even how does that happen? Yeah. So um now I have a manager and I manage under like a management agency. Okay. But before that, usually it's just inbound, meaning like companies usually like you like influencers or content creators write in their bio, like for inquiries, email, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's either inbound through DM. They just directly DM me through TikTok or Instagram Mm -hmm. or email me saying like, yeah, basically just saying like, Hey, like would love to like think or talk about a collaboration. Like, would you be interested? What are your rates and things like that? So some companies like they don't have a budget and they just want to send you a free product. In the beginning, I was like, willing to like especially if it was a good product Mm -hmm. I mean like big things like cribs and strollers and things like that um (laughs) yeah like I I did um and then you know as I was getting more and more followers more and more engagement um I no longer just do gifting and I only do like paid meaning like they'll pay me they'll like send me the product to Uh review 
and they'll pay me on top of that to like post a reel or a photo or um, a story, whatever that may be. So I have different rates for that. Um, now that I have a manager, my manager, you know, I work, um, I'm managed under a company called Select, which is, you know, one of the biggest, most well-known, good reputation uh, management companies in the world. And so they also pitch, you know, different uh, pitch me to different brands because they have this like relationship with all these brands. So like brands will come to Select and say, hey, I need this, you know, like 30 year old female to do this. I see. Um, and so so then my company will then pitch a bunch of people from our company to these brands and then they'll choose. So that's like one way you, you get brand deals. And then majority of the brand deals are inbound though. Like I shared, um, it's just like brands reaching out to me saying like, Hey, you know, would you be willing to share about this for, you know? And so you, um, most all influencers will have a rate for this type of work Mm -hmm. I see yeah so before when I was just starting off uh, my good friend Steven um, was actually like kind of doing it for me just like he wasn't taking a percentage of what I made but just as a friend um, because he's also in this industry and so Mm -hmm. he was like negotiating on my behalf and helping me figure out my rates and so he was doing it for me until I like formally joined this uh, agency management company and so yeah and like you know, your rate changes as you get like higher, like engagement or like amount of followers. Um, And like my rates are obviously different for like TikTok, YouTube and Instagram, um, depending on like, you know, the numbers and the stats. So this is how people Um, make a full full time. Yeah. I mean, like, let's like, if you think about it, like back in the day, right, we were only watching TV. Yeah. Only way we were consuming like new products was either you're literally just walking by a store window shopping, or commercials, right? Right. These days, nobody watches TV, everybody, except maybe our grandparents generation, everyone's streaming. So commercials actually is not the best way to um, promote your product. Right. So now everybody is going to um influencers and content creators and what's crazy is you know commercials are like hundreds and thousands of dollars to go into production that's true whereas like for you know like hiring influencers it's a lot less i mean obviously if you're hiring like beyonce (laughs) it's gonna be more but um like when what's great is like now they're able to use you know spend less money but then they're able to diversify like you know, they're getting an influencer that does, you know, mom content, influencer that does cooking, influencer does like education, workout. And then if they spread their product, it's like going to so many different people, like their audience is like endless. Right. Yeah. And so it's actually like really smart. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when companies send stuff to influencers, even for free, like without any like required deliverables, like I think it's like the smartest way to go. And like, you know, now that I've entered into this like world, I'm like, wow, it's like incredible. Like, and um, at first I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I worth charging this much? But mm. I'm like, man, their budget is huge because like mm. this budget used to be commercial budget. That's right. Okay. So okay. um, yeah, that makes sense. Man, that is really, um, I mean, I just never think about it, you know, because it's not my world, but it everything you said makes total sense i'm like am i just like so old school that <laughs> no i mean i look the same but you know like you know when people say like oh my gosh my phone is listening to me like you literally talk about like i don't know like um, no yeah like, absolutely all the time flared pants and then all of a sudden you have an ad on your instagram for flared pants but yeah and then you buy it like 
people buy things like so quickly if it pops up on Instagram. They do. And so like that's, you know, just the best way. I yeah. Think. Okay. So every uh, young person I know that's listening right now is like, I want to be an influencer. <laughs> you know, in Korea, like you if ask like literally like children that are like eight, uh-huh. like what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, YouTuber. Like oh, they yeah. want to be YouTuber. Yeah. So like my thing is like, look, you can't just be an influencer because you yeah. say you want to be one. <laughs> you know, we work with youth students too, which I don't. Some of them would never admittedly tell me, but I know that that's what everyone wants to do. So, like, what are some steps like, that are practical for you? Because you know, like, you have to start somewhere, but it's really intimidating. So, it is. you know, the biggest thing I will say is consistency. Mm-hmm. The more you post the higher chance that you will get pushed into this algorithm. Mm-hmm. One of your videos will go viral. The mm-hmm. best thing that can happen is that one of your videos go viral. Yes. yes. I mean, obviously you can't just be posting, you know, nonsense. Random. It has to be good content. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that that's like a whole, you know, another thing. Like, I don't think I have the credentials to be training on that, but you know, like whatever your niche is, making sure you, you know, you should be watching your reels and your for you pages to see like what are okay first of all what's the content that does go viral and then you know getting inspiration from those videos to then create your own like you have to be creating things that will go viral Mm -hmm. and then obviously consistency like posting every day like some people post like two three times a day that's a lot if you can like that's the best thing that you can do posting Mm -hmm. a lot every day Mm -hmm. the more you post the higher chance you have of it going to the explore page or for you page and that's when you have a chance of it going viral. Um, and then obviously, like, uh, diversifying, like, doing TikTok, YouTube, uh, Facebook, um, Instagram. And then even on those platforms, like, for example, Instagram, like, they push you if you do all. Like, meaning you need to post, like, a regular grid post. You need to post a carousel grid post. You need to post reels. You need to post stories. Like, you need to do everything because, of course, Instagram wants you to stay on their platform. Yes. Yeah. So the more that you do, like if you're only doing photos or you're only doing reels, like, you know, it's not as favorable to you. I mean, those are just some of the tangible steps. And then like, um, again, using all of the functions, like collaborating with other content creators or making sure you use trending music, but even in trending music, you don't want to use a song that has a million um, <laughs> posts. You need to use a trending video that has like under 10 K, you know, but that shows the little trending um icon I see because then yeah like you want to be in the list before it becomes three million videos like you want people to click on your video and then even hashtags using the right hashtags and like staying up to date with things that Instagram tells you because they'll say hey right now it's more favorable for you to only post three hashtags Mm -hmm. so like posting 30 hashtags is not going to do anything for you and so there's like different websites and Instagram pages that share like what it uh will favor you to be like the algorithm for Instagram and so just like staying up to date I would say like probably those are and of course like if you are you know wanting to go into a specific niche like learning from other creators who are Uh doing well Uh um not like copying but like yeah receiving inspiration I mean internet is all about inspiration like people and even like these challenges, it's literally doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And even that's like a form of, you know, flattery and 
like a compliment when like your video goes viral and then people start recreating it. And so you want that like it factor. And so, yeah, like speaking to other content creators, like getting advice, but a lot of it is just like consuming and being inspired and like trial and error, just like posting a lot and like seeing what your audience enjoys. Man, I feel just overwhelmed listening to you about it. But but I mean, like, yeah, it is work. It's work. You know, it's not just like posting thing you know for fun it's literal work and you you work hard to to make that your full-time job it makes a lot of sense to me but yeah okay well how long does it take you to like make one reel let's say yeah I would say it really depends like it could take me like literally three minutes to make a reel uh-huh I've made reels that are like three minutes and it's gotten like five million views uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but then let's say if it's a branded content usually they have specific things that you want me to t- like talk about or share so um anywhere I would say 30 minutes to like an hour or two. Oh man I feel like that's so good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, it's also because I've, like, really learned how to, like, I'm pretty quick at editing. I see. Um, pretty quick at, like, recording voiceovers. Um, I already know. I always write out my script beforehand. I write mm-hmm. out all the shots I'm going to take. Mm-hmm. I'm very, like, organized in that way. Yes. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, like, max few hours. Okay. okay. But then, you know, there's sometimes, like, if it's, like, something where I have to, like, cook and I have to go buy groceries, obviously it's going to take a little bit longer. right. right. But my typical video, I would say anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. Okay. That makes sense. Um, can I just say, I watched the, <laughs> I watched the, the video of Shiloh say. getting scared like over and over. I could not like just so precious, but so scared and like so heartbreaking, but also so adorable. <laughs> She literally looked like a cartoon character. Yes, yes. I was like, even thinking about it now is making me like so happy, but also like poor thing. <laughs> I know. I mean, and she's never done that before. So I was kind of shocked. I was like, she's a full on human being that knows how to get scared. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But like, that's an example of a video that took me like three minutes. Mm. Right. Because I just got the recording and yeah. I, you know, yeah, yeah. But it like went viral. So. But I just find it really fascinating, I mean, that you think of so many ways to make content about, like, everyday things, but also, like, just, it doesn't seem trivial. Does that make sense? Or, you're yeah, just, are you I'm, just, you're just really gifted, aren't you? <laughs> I, I mean, I do think that, like, you have to have some, like, part of your brain to work in a certain way. Right, yes. Like, you have, like, creativity and, like. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, sometimes it just comes very naturally. I'm like, and, and like, to be honest, like I'm not living my life every day. Like, Oh, I have to get like every, you know, like, um, I would say like in my regular day, like there are days I don't film anything. And then on a normal day, maybe I'll film like once or twice if Shiloh does something mm-hmm. cute. And I'm not even like thinking like, Oh, this is like a video I'm going to make. I mean, yeah. Once in a while she does something. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so cute. I have to take it. Uh-huh, a lot uh-huh. of times it's just like, I want. I want these memories for myself. A lot of the videos from back when I first started, like they were all things that I just like would go into my archive of videos. And then I would just think of random things as I'm looking at them. Mm -hmm. And so I think to me, that's like the best case scenario because like, I don't want to be living my life where I'm like, Oh, every day I need to be filming every part of my life. Yeah. I don't think that's healthy for Shiloh too. 
And so like it coming naturally. And so thankfully, like, um, I'm able to just naturally think of things like as I look through my albums, like actually that's how I, uh, usually like think of content, mm-hmm. um, or like, you know, I'll once in a while look at the reels on the explore page and then think, you know, be inspired and then recreate. Yeah. But a lot of times it is more natural. And then like the few 10%, 20% is like something I'm making or recreating because of an inspiration of something I've already seen. Well, personally, you know, I don't know how other people feel, but I when I watch your content, it does feel sincere and everything you just explained, it does seem that it doesn't seem like you're consumed. It's just a very like natural, you know, like very like just you're not making it fit your life or your work. Like it's just kind of coming together organically Mm -hmm. and it's really beautiful to watch. Um, Thank you. Well, we're rounding out our hour together, Esther, and I'm just so grateful for our conversation. Thank you again for your transparency. Um, I I always ask people the same question uh, before we we end our time, and that's um, I asked it before about ministry. But do you have any advice or something maybe you would have done differently? I feel like probably not after everything you shared, but just any life advice at all. Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I think my advice would be, let's um, so cliche, but like because of that, you know, experience I had in 2016, mm-hmm. like, you know, work actually takes up so much of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in your 60s, like, how do you want your life to look when you look back? Or when you're like, sharing stories to your grandchildren or your children what do you want to share with them and like what type of impact do you want to live um I would say like those are some good questions to ask like if you're trying to decide what you want to do with your life Mm. um for some people like work to them is just work and that's okay and like that's how they're fulfilled to be able to live and do the rest of their lives after 6 p.m and on the weekends to be with their family to kind of like shut off their brain right but some people are purpose-driven. Like for me, example, I would never be able to just sit in an office and like, I don't know, do taxes or something like that. For me, like I'm very purpose-driven. I have to work for an organization where I really believe in what they're doing. Um, But like, yeah, just figuring out what, like what work means to you and like what is important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just really like sitting on that. And then also like, being okay with like making mistakes like people change jobs like 50 times people go to med school law school and then not end up doing that like they're still paying off their debt but they're like in a totally different um occupation and that's like totally okay to change we change we grow god gives us different desires um as you grow and so like being okay with that not putting so much pressure on yourself And then lastly, I would just say, you know, especially if you're a believer, like really listening to God, like spending time in his word and like, you know, like God really does, you know, give you the desires um, and places desires on your heart. And so really asking God, like seeking, knocking, and like he will place that. Um, And sorry, I said last thing, but really last thing, Um, you know, like, Life is really, really short and everybody is fighting their own battle Mm -hmm. and going through painful experiences and people 
that are, there are so many people that are in need. And so if you have the capacity, like think about how you can serve your neighbor. Um, our world goes round because of people and like, because of community and man, like just write, you know, your next door neighbor or, you know, someone that you just maybe like walked past is like in need of help in need of something. And so, um, yeah, like I would just say, uh, to really think of other people and um, how you can use your own gifts and talents to serve the other um, is what I would like to leave. Yeah, no, that's, um, I'm leaving this interview uh, super inspired and motivated. And thank you for sharing um, all of that advice. It's truly sound advice that I feel like um, in the fast pacedness of my own life, and I'm sure people are living similarly um just to kind of slow down and digest what you just said i think is really important so thank you again esther um esther i hate to put you on the spot but if there's somebody that maybe has a question for you would it be okay if i connected you maybe through email of course awesome hey guys um thanks so much for listening if you have any questions for me or for esther i can get you guys connected um Thank you again, Esther. You are amazing. And I I feel grateful to even know you. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Until next time, guys. Bye.